This morning we're continuing our study through the book of Nehemiah. Today we're looking at a study I've titled Building and Defending the Wall. Our main text is Nehemiah chapter 4 as a whole. Less verses than last week, but let's just jump right in and begin by reading verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned. Now, Tobiah, there's always one of these guys, right? Like somebody has to chime in and say something to add to it. Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. As a reminder, last week in chapter three, we saw how the people began to build. And who was a part of the rebuilding and repairing of the walls and gates as they set their hands to the work that God desired them to be a part of? And I gave us a spoiler right up front that the total time it's going to end up taking for the walls and the gates of Jerusalem to be rebuilt was only going to be 52 days. They wouldn't have worked on the Sabbath. So this is, this is you know, six-day work week. So this is you know, upwards of eight to nine weeks that it was going to take for them to do what could not be done in 92 years of the people being back in Jerusalem after returning from exile. But but the building is not going to happen without a lot of opposition as we've already seen in the opening verses of chapter four and we'll continue to see in our study today. And I want to share a quote from Alan Redpath. He wrote this in his commentary on Nehemiah. He said, There is a wall to be built around the city of your soul. There is a wall to be built, a testimony to be erected around your church. There is a wall of witness and testimony to be built around the whole kingdom of God in all the world. Whether you be concerned primarily with building the wall in your own soul or with building the wall of your church, or with building the wall of the kingdom of God throughout the whole world, you will discover that there is no winning without warfare. There is no opportunity without opposition. There is no victory without vigilance. He says, for whenever the people of God say, let us arise and build, Satan says, let me arise and oppose. This felt it was really fitting for us to just kind of have that in the front of our minds, and not even just here, but in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, like the opposition that's going to be present. As we go through this chapter this morning, we're going to see that this work of both building and defending the walls holds so much application for us today spiritually, whether single or married, parent or grandparent, young or old, God wants to challenge us. He wants to stir us. He wants to encourage us and charge us to step up in these last days to be about Him, to be about others, to build one another up, to strengthen areas which might be weak, 
to minister in areas of brokenness, to pray for one another, to stand firm in this spiritual battle and to not let the enemy take any more ground. Now, right away in the opening verses, we're seeing an escalation of the opposition that's already been taking place because of Sanballat and Tobiah, seeing now that Sanballat was furious when he heard about the rebuilding that was taking place. And, you know, in this, we gained insight into the tactics of our spiritual enemy, Satan, and the rest of the demonic realm. Whenever God is doing something sweet in a person's life or in a group of people, the enemy will always seek to come against what the Lord is doing. The enemy is perfectly content to just leave you in a place where you're inactive. You know, that place of compromise, that place of complacency, that, that place of indifference. Man, that's the sweet spot in the enemy's eyes. Cool, I don't even have to worry about them. No opposition's really needed because they're not doing anything for the Lord. There's no steps of faith being taken. There's no real witness for Jesus Christ that's showing forth in this person's life. Cool. Status quo. Let's just leave it there. The moment that you press into the Lord, the moment that you desire the Lord, the the moment that you want to live for the Lord, again, the moment you say, let us arise and build, the enemy's going, I'm going to oppose. I'm going to jack you up. Now, even talking about the spiritual warfare for active aspect of things, like don't this isn't to like panic anybody, make anyone feel like always looking around their shoulder, like is this, what's that? Like greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You don't have to worry. That's not. This isn't where it's at. We're not. This isn't doom and gloom. This isn't panic mode. Like. Just these are these are preparatory. These are equipping words. This is something to fortify us, even to know how to face the spiritual warfare that you and I face, because it's gonna happen. Our spiritual enemy doesn't want the weak spots in our life or others' lives spiritually to be strengthened or built up, doesn't want the gaps, those openings to be closed up. Because then they won't have an opening to get into our lives to mess us up any longer. And I want us to notice in the beginning of this chapter, the opposition and attack was really just verbal. It was the tactic of discouragement. Trying to make the work being done seem small and insignificant and insufficient and not good enough. I mean, Tobiah said it well. If a fox even goes up on the wall, it's going to come right down. I mean, when we think of a fox, we don't think of like a clompy, heavy behemoth of an animal. Like if he had said, if an elephant, of course, we would go, yeah, it's going to get broken down. The elephant's heavy. When we think of a fox, we're like, man, they're fleet-footed. Like they're light on their feet. Like they might not even leave much of a track in the snow. Like He's just going like, this thing is going to be so easy to bring down. This thing's not going to last. The workmanship's not going to be good enough. It's just going to come right down. It's just that discouragement. And our spiritual enemy will use these same sorts of tactics on us. 
Just like the enemies of the Jews here, our spiritual enemy loves to use discouragement to keep us from living by faith and walking in the will of God. Think about the times in your life, maybe, where you've not really fully moved forward in the Lord in some way because you know what happened? The enemy brought discouragement. It wasn't, there wasn't some even like outward physical thing happening. It was something inward. It was something affecting you in the, in the place of your mind where you're just like crippled by this discouragement. You don't really feel like you can move forward, but it's not, there's not actually anything even really happening. Just the discouragement alone, the enemy knows throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia even, since being in the garden and tempting Eve, that man, if I could just bring discouragement, that's enough a lot of times. We see that here. But, but let's look at how, what kind of continues out of that. Verses 4 through 6. Nehemiah now responding in prayer. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger. Before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Instead of responding to the mocking of Sanballat and Tobiah, and instead of dwelling on the fact that the army of Samaria had assembled, Nehemiah turned to the Lord in prayer. Asking the Lord to deal with their enemies as they sought to continue the work of building that the Lord had called them to. But notice, Nehemiah's dependence upon the Lord showed itself in his prayerfulness to the Lord. Nehemiah didn't respond to this guy by going, don't worry guys, I got this. Don't worry guys, I know what to do. Guys, just keep your eyes on me. Follow my lead. No, Nehemiah was a man of great dependency upon the Lord. But but how about us? Would that be true for us too? Or, Or do we lack a real dependency upon the Lord? Maybe we find ourselves operating more in independently from the Lord. And so this might maybe maybe shows itself in a lack of prayerfulness in our day-to-day life. Guys, we need that sort of God dependency because if that's there, our prayer life is going to flow from that place. When we're dependent upon the Lord, we will find ourselves praying even more because we're not relying on us. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not confident in me. My confidence is in God. My eyes are upon Him. My trust is in Him. My hope is in Him. And so my dependency shifts to that place. God, I need you. I've needed you all along, Lord, but you know what? This situation is just reminding me all over again, God, I need you. I need you working in this situation. 
Lord, I'm discouraged. The enemy's coming. The, the task seems too big. The brokenness is everywhere. God, help. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He knew who to go to when stuff started getting hard, when the opposition came. In those times, he went to his God. Now, I love the status report we're given in verse 6, coming immediately after seeing what Nehemiah prayed, that the opposition of the enemy didn't keep the Jews from continuing to build, but that as Nehemiah prayed and they continued to build, the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. And again, when we keep in mind that the whole rebuilding project is only going to take 52 days, we realize that this single-mindedness that the people had to work together was powerful and effective, and, and that's true for us as well. God works powerfully through unity. He does. I mean, again, 52 days, so this means that like, this is four weeks in. Four weeks in, the report is the wall's already halfway there. Around the whole city, this huge task. God works powerfully. He works effectively. He works supernaturally even through united Humble, available, willing men and women who just love Jesus and want to serve Him with their lives. We see that even in our situation before us. But the halfway there didn't keep the opposition from increasing as we're going to continue to see here. So moving on into verses 7 and 8. It says, Now it happened when... Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now, up to this point, these two men, Sanbal and Tobiah, they've mocked, they've laughed at, they've ridiculed, they've talked down to the Jews as they were going about this business of rebuilding. But now that there's something really noticeable happening in the building process, the enemy's opposition starts to escalate from just verbal attacks to the threat of an actual physical attack. See, when they heard that the walls were being restored and the gaps or, or breaks in the wall were beginning to be closed up, they became very angry and all of them together conspired to attack and create confusion. I just want to understand, these are different people groups that are surrounding the city of Jerusalem. This is really specific. The Arabs, the Ashdodites. Ashdod was in the area of Philistia, where the Philistines once lived. We have an Ammonite here. Sanballat was known historically to be the governor of Samaria. So we have Samaria involved here. So all these sort of neighboring nations that weren't necessarily united before this, all of a sudden were united. 
hey, we all hate the same people. We all want to stop the same work. What is that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? What we see here for us is that our enemy is relentless. And when their tactic stops working, they'll just come at us from a different angle and the ferocity of the the attack will just increase. Remember, Satan is likened in Scripture to a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We're told that his sole mission is to steal and kill and destroy. Satan and the rest of the demons hate what God is doing in our lives and through our lives as he uses us for his kingdom and glory. Sunballad and Tobiah didn't look at the halfway finished walls and just kind of go, oh, you know what, never mind. It's not really working. Let's just give up. And in the same way, no matter how long you and I walk with the Lord, no matter how mature and strong our walk with Jesus becomes, Satan is always going to come against us when we're really living for Jesus and seeking to grow in our relationship with him. Just as the wall there in Jerusalem had gaps or, or breaks in it that were being closed up, so for us spiritually, the weak areas in our walk, areas where we struggle as, as God closes up those gaps, those broken down sections of our, of our wall, so to speak, spiritually and strengthens those weak areas in our, in our spiritual lives because he's wanting us to have victory in all these different areas of our life you know what? It's going to tick Satan off. And not only did Sanbal and Tobiah and their crew conspire to attack, but it also says, and create confusion. I love it that Paul in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's uh, chapter 14, he says, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches. We see confusion happening. It's like God's not in that thing. That's not him. Creating confusion, discouragement, the the threat of an attack. The the enemy just wanted to do anything that they could to hinder the work of rebuilding the wall. And again, this is true of what our spiritual enemy wants to do in our lives and our families and church and and even in our communities. But but look how the Jews responded in verse 9. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. I love the response of the Jewish people here to the opposition of their enemies. Nevertheless, so regardless of what the enemy was planning to do, they made their prayer to God, and because of the enemy, they set a watch against them day and night. Notice their response was twofold. They prayed and they set a watch day and night. And it's so important for us to take note of the order here. They didn't first set a watch day and night and then after doing that, then pray about the situation. Prayer is always to be our first response, not our last resort. Have you ever find that reverse to be true for you? 
it's happened. It happened. It's happened still even for me sometimes. I'm like, yeah, like I've been, sometimes it happens. I'll be sitting at my desk and I'm like trying to, you know, prepare. I'm working on something and I'm like, I haven't even just prayed yet. Like, Lord, forgive me. Like, God, I need you here. I need you right now. I need you to be working and meeting me. And, and, and oftentimes what we can find is like something happens, we're in a spot, and it's like, Lord, I didn't even invite you into that thing in the beginning. Sometimes we find ourselves kind of like what people will do where it's like it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And, and we almost bring that over into our walk with the Lord, and we get ourselves into something, and we're like, Lord, okay, bless me in this thing that I decided to do without even asking you about it. I didn't seek you if that was your will. I just did it. I did my thing. That was what I wanted to do, so I did it. But now, Lord, I'm realizing that probably wasn't the best thing for me. But, Lord, would you bless me? Lord, would you, would you meet me here? And it's like that last resort, that's not supposed to be us. And, and again, this, we talk about these things. This isn't like a condemning word. I pray it is maybe a corrective word, graciously for some of us, that we would learn. We'd learn from those things and go, God, next time help me to do it differently. Lord, I want prayer to be my first response, my first priority, not acting first and then praying later. We consistently see Nehemiah's prayer life, the priority it had in his life. Nehemiah knew who was in control. He knew where his help came from. Verse 9, again, we made our prayer to our God. This is a personal sort of prayer. Nehemiah's confidence was not in himself, but in the Lord. But then after praying, they acted practically and with wisdom. It says that they set a watch against the enemy day and night. You know, prayer is not a passive religious activity. It's an effective and powerful defensive and offensive spiritual weapon given to us by God himself. When we look at the spiritual armor Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, there are only two weapons listed. Prayer and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You notice that both of those weapons are spiritual, they're not physical? What does that remind us of how our mindset is supposed to be about the battle that we face? Because isn't it so easy to take the battle here? Right? Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But it's so easy to want to wrestle somebody that's in front of us. We don't want to wrestle that person that's on social media. We want to wrestle that politician. We want to wrestle our neighbor. I want to wrestle. You might be a really calm person, but there's, some, there's probably some fight in you where you want to wrestle somebody at times. Slap somebody upside the head. Like there's, There could be that part, but we don't do that. That's not the kind of weapons. That's kind of, not the kind of warfare. It's spiritual prayer in the Word of God. We need to be reminded of what God has provided 
Are we utilizing the weapons? Are we fighting the wrong kind of fight at times? Sometimes we're fighting against people and God's like, actually, I want to do something in that person's life. And you're so focused on what you don't like, what you're angry about, you can't even pray for God to bless the person, for God to forgive the person, for God to save the person. Guys, the spiritual wall of our lives will not be built up, will not be repaired, will not be strengthened apart from a solid, consistent prayer life and a solid, consistent devotional life in God's word each day. The prayers of the Jewish people here, as they prayed to God, led them to act reasonably in preparing a watch that would take place day and night. You know, in order for us to be watchful, We need to take note of the weak areas of our spiritual lives and character and behavior. We can't be blind to that, right? Because it's really easy to be blind to weak spots, to gaps. But where are those low spots? Where are those gaps? What are those areas that we struggle in, whether it's pride or lust or lying or coveting or jealousy or self-righteousness or selfishness or or maybe it's a substance or anger or contentment or, or or discontentment or whatever that might be we're to recognize those areas and then bring them before the lord continually so that he can work there he can build up what's weak he can fortify what's what's needing to be strengthened he can close up the gaps those openings where the enemy has just been able to so easily get in and and continue to wreak havoc in our lives. You know, if we don't set a watch over those areas, we'll end up being attacked in those areas because the enemy is watching and waiting and wants to catch us off guard and unprepared. Nehemiah and the people were not going to be caught unaware or unprepared if the enemy did attack. So first they prayed and then they set a watch. But, but look at verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Uh, up to this point, they had been making great progress. I mean, right? Like four weeks in, if we're being told it's halfway there, it's like, man, there's some really good progress. There should be some encouragement right, in that, Right? even in spite of all the continued opposition from the enemy. But as they're at the halfway point, a report from the workers of Judah came in saying that the people's strength is about to fail, that there's so much rubbish, so much rubble, that they're unable to keep building the wall. Just a a quick word of exhortation here. Because I think most of us would go, I want my life to be built by the Lord. I want weak areas to be strengthened. I want gaps to be closed up. But I think sometimes what might happen for some of us is we're at the wall of our spiritual lives. We're, We're wanting to respond to what the Lord's doing 
But sometimes there's this element that we often overlook, and that's the rubbish that's in the way of us being able to build. We're like, cool, Lord, build it, but leave the rubbish there. I've actually grown pretty comfortable with the rubbish. I have nice little bents, build out a burnt stone over here to the side. Pretty comfortable, Lord. Those things that we leave in our lives that God's going, that thing doesn't belong. That's actually just evidence of damage. That's just the after effects of sin. That's just what's come along with all the brokenness. But that thing's not meant to just stay there lying around next to the wall. But how easily we can just go, but Lord, okay, just build the thing. And we're like not dealing with the rubbish that's there. The damage that's there. The sin maybe that we've allowed to have a spot in our lives that we're not dealing with. We're not repenting of or confessing to the Lord. We just kind of leave it there next to the wall expecting God to keep doing the building. And he's like, no, let's deal with the rubbish first. And we don't like that part. We don't want God to mess up our thing that we have going on. We don't want God to put a spotlight on the rubbish of our lives, the sin, the the things that we've allowed to have a place, maybe the idols that have crept into our lives. We don't want God to put a spotlight on those things and call it rubbish even in the first place. We want to put a blanket over it and pretend that it's not even there. But guys, if that's any of us this morning, if we've allowed that stuff to stay that we know doesn't belong, know that God is going even this morning, I want to deal with that thing. Why are you letting it stay there? And if we recognize those things in our own lives and we're going, I know there's some stuff. And you know what? Maybe it's not like, external, blatantly sinful things to us. Maybe the rubbish that we've allowed in our life, maybe the, the, the things that we've allowed that needs to be cleared away are the deeper heart things that other people don't really see as much. Maybe the thing that you and I are, God's going, I want to clear that thing away. You know what, maybe it is. It's just something as, as simple, and it's not a, a, a um, I'm not saying simple as in it's not a big thing, but just pride. There's pride there. There's envy there. There's discontentment in my life. And God's going, that thing doesn't belong. That's just, that's just rubbish that I want to clear away, and you're, you're letting it stay. When maybe even for some of us this morning, we, we would just humbly... Let the Lord put his light, shine his light into the deepest recesses of our lives and go, Lord, as the psalmist said, search me. Because, Lord, sometimes I don't see it as clearly. So, Lord, search me. And those things that don't belong, God, show it to me and help me, Lord, in humility to to humble myself, to confess, to repent, to let you clear away all that stuff, Lord, so that that building that you want to do 
can actually happen in the way that you want to do it. The, the people had been working and working, building and clearing the rubble away, and it just started to exhaust and overwhelm and overtake the people to where they were about to give up. I was thinking about how, you know, the, the walls being halfway up, and I don't, you know, I wouldn't call myself a mountain biker. I own a mountain bike. I've gone mountain biking. Gone with Josh Dean, even. And uh, climbing up hills is just not fun. It exhausts you, especially when you're out of shape, and you're out of riding shape, and you're like, I know to enjoy the fun of going downhill, I have to go up the hill first. And you're going, and there's a specific spot I can even think of that I've been to before, and I'm like, first time I've gone. I'm going with somebody else who knows the area. I remember going with Matt Powers to a place in uh, Hercules or Panola or wherever it was over there, and we're going up, and it's like, I'm already like, I feel like I can't even ride anymore. My legs are jello. It's like, how, how much farther to the top? We're about halfway there. Halfway there can be a great thing. We're halfway there. But how often is halfway there like the worst thing you could have possibly heard in the moment? I'm only halfway there? Are you kidding me? I don't think I can do the rest of it. it, it this was hard enough to get halfway this is where the people were at. Halfway there and their, their strength is failing. And, and everything's just getting overwhelming. And, and they're close to giving up, but doesn't this happen with us sometimes too? You know, a lot of times for us when that does happen, it's because we've been doing things maybe in our own fleshly efforts. And, and when we do things in our flesh, when they're not motivated by the Spirit of God, when we're not being empowered by the Spirit of God, we tend to get exhausted and overwhelmed and tired and burnt out. And we feel like quitting because you know what we've really been doing? We've been doing it in our own strength. Or maybe, maybe it's not just, you know, maybe, maybe we're not in the fleshly effort part, but maybe we just get distracted and focused on other things like how much still needs to get done. You know, if that's any of us today, check out the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. In that passage, we read this. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of grace, grace to it. I just love this because Zerubbabel, who came, that first group of exiles to rebuild the temple, you know what he saw? Lots of rubble, probably a mountain of rubble in his eyes. How are we going to do this? And God's just like, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. It's not going to happen because you haven't 
enough people. It's not going to happen because you're just strong enough in and of yourself. It's going to happen because I'm strong. I have power for you. I'll make it happen. And I'll make it happen in such a way where, the, you know what you're going to shout at the end of it? Grace. God did it. Grace. Grace to it. You know, no matter how mountainous our issues or problems might be today, God is able to take the mountain we're facing and turn it into a plain because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God that things are to be accomplished in our lives. And I have so much more that I wanted to teach this morning, but we're already out of time. Normally, I would just like keep checking on. I'm like, they're fine for another 30 minutes. We'll resume this next week. Let's say I'm going to try to get better about ending on time. How about that? I'm now the worship team comes back up. <laughs> There's more here to be continued. You, know, you think about the things that the, the Jews here in Jerusalem face, and it's like, man, we're just like them. We're not facing anything different than they faced in that day as far as the spiritual warfare element of things, discouragement, distractions. How many of us have been discouraged recently? How many of us have been distracted how many of us are focused more on how things are halfway finished than upon what God has already said He's going to do? It can be so easy. We get all worked up. We get all distraught. We get, you know, our, our head gets in this weird place because we lose sight of who the Lord is. We forget what the Lord said. And man, how badly do we just need to be reminded of who our God is? As we're going to see even later in this chapter that Nehemiah is going to remind the people, hey guys, remember the Lord. Great and awesome. Don't be afraid. We need to remember the Lord this morning. We have opposition. If you're seeking to live for the Lord, you're you're, you're experiencing even now. There are things where the enemy is trying to disrupt, trying to distract, trying to discourage. Lord, help us to see those things. Help us to not be blindsided by the attacks of the enemy. And Lord, would you be our encouragement? Would you be our comfort? Would you be our hope? Lord, would our focus be on you alone? And, and if our strength has been failing lately, if we just feel like, man, I'm just trying to make it another day. The word of the Lord for you and for me. He's got power for us. He's got grace for us. He has strength for us. The words of Jesus himself, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. Learn from me. Take my yoke. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. I will give you rest.
how many of us are just, we need rest. Like our soul is, we're not in a place of rest. I mean, we could be resting physically on the couch. We could be laying in our bed. But man, in our soul, that area of our mind, we are just at unease. Things are just crazy. There's chaos. There's confusion. There's discouragement. All sorts of things are going on. And Jesus is going, come to me. I have what you need. I am who you need. I'll give you rest. Lord, we're thankful for your word this morning. Lord, thank you. God, you don't keep us from the warfare. The warfare still came. But Lord, as the warfare came, Lord, the people continued to build. And God, I just pray for us this morning, Lord, as we're facing whatever it is that each of us are facing individually, Lord, that we wouldn't allow the enemy to, to, to keep us away from the wall, to keep us out of the work, Lord, to, to, to keep us maybe blinded to the warfare where we're not actually fighting properly. Lord, maybe for some of us today, God, what we're fighting is discouragement, distractions, there's fears. Lord, the, the work that we're, we've been called to, it's big. And Lord, God, none of us are ever going to be at that completing point this side of heaven. Lord, not until we get to be in your presence. Lord, in a sense, we're always going to be halfway there. But Lord, would our strength not fail? Lord, would we not give up? Will we not lose heart? But Lord, will we stay focused on Jesus? Lord, would you give power to those who are weak? Lord, would you strengthen the feeble? Lord, raise up the hands that are hanging down. Lord, strengthen the feeble knees, even this morning. God, encourage your people. Restore hope. God, fortify us, Lord. Strengthen us to be able to stand in your power, in your might, with your armor to withstand in the evil day, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Lord, would we hold on to that sword of the Spirit, Lord, and that, 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 that weapon of prayer as well. And God, would we fight rightly, Lord, help us to, to pray and to set a watch. Lord, would you guard the wall of our lives? Lord, would you deal with the rubble that might exist? Lord, if there's any of that in any of us, God, there's stuff maybe in our lives that's, that we've left there and we know it's not supposed to be there. We know that it's not supposed to have a place in our lives. Maybe there's a sin that we haven't repented of. We've not confessed to you, Lord. Even this morning, God, between us and you, Lord, would we bring those things to you, God, in confession, in repentance, in humility. And God, would you bring forgiveness? God, would you bring restoration? God, would you clear away those things that are keeping that building from really happening that you want to do? Jesus, we want our lives to be built upon you and you alone.
the only firm foundation, our rock, our chief cornerstone. Jesus, we trust in you. Lord, we remember you even this morning. Lord, we fix our attention upon you. Great are you, Lord. And God, would you go with us this week, Lord? Lord, we're, we're needy people, Lord. We need you. But God, would you fill us with your spirit, Lord? Would you give us your power? And Lord, if there's anybody here and they don't just first have a personal saving relationship with you, Lord, that, that wall of their spiritual lives, it's just in ruin. There's nothing there because, Lord, they've not first built their lives upon, upon the rock that is Christ. I just, Lord, I pray that you'd be working even now in each heart and mind. And if that's anybody here this morning and you're going, look, look I just... I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need his salvation. I want him to be my savior. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want the hope of Jesus, the hope and promise of eternal life. Those things can be yours. If you repent of your sin, you turn in faith to Jesus Christ. If that's anybody here, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? And you're going, look, that's me. Would you pray for me? I want Jesus this morning. Anybody at all? Maybe this morning you're going, look, I, I, I know Jesus, but things are just, there's, there's rubble, there's stuff that, that's just, it's overwhelming. I don't know if I can keep going. And this morning you just need a, a maybe just a special touch, a special encouragement from the Lord. Would you raise your hand if that's you and you're going, that's me? Would you pray for me this morning? Anybody else? Yeah, I see all of you. Anybody else? You're not unspiritual if you're discouraged. Lord, I pray for these. Lord, as they've raised their hands. God, you see those things, Lord. You see their hearts. God, would you bring victory over temptation and sin? Lord, would you bring healing? Would you bring growth? Would you clear away the rubble? Lord God, would you encourage and strengthen and give hope? Bring comfort. Lord, give them endurance. Help your people this morning, Lord, that we would keep our eyes focused on you. And Lord, as we sing these songs now in response to your word, Lord, would our hearts just be fully open, Lord, fully surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we take of the communion elements, Lord, would we Lord, remember, Jesus, you, your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. Lord, as there's opportunity to be prayed for as people go and, and, and receive prayer, Lord, would you give wisdom, Lord, give discernment. Would you meet your people where they're at? We thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.